Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The world is a vampire. Presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and with me today is a very, very special guest. He's, of course, a rock star, a very, very famous musician, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, and, of course, an owner and promoter of the NWA, Mr. Billy Corgan, a.k.a. William Corgan. Welcome to the two-man power trip. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, my friend. So what's going on? What's, uh, what have you been up to? I know you're very, very busy with the NWA. Yeah, we're just gearing up to do another uh, pay-per-view on June 6th um, at 4 p.m. Eastern. And uh, have a great card for that. 
And uh, we haven't announced it yet, but we're pretty much ready to announce it. The main event will be uh, Trevor Murdoch versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And, uh, and then we go into some TV taping. When our shadows fall, June 6th, like I said, 4 p.m., Fight TV. How come the time slot there? Is that just a, a good time slot, you think, for you guys? That Does that work for you? Yeah, because I think in that case, we don't have to necessarily worry about whether, whether anybody else is running that night. I think our first pay-per-view, there was some, there might have been a WWE pay-per-view where there was going to be or something. And so we were like, oh, let's just try to do an earlier one. It seemed kind of apropos to the product. Um, yeah, we're fine with it. It's actually not a bad thing for everybody because it's kind of, something about being early days got a little bit different feel to it. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, Murdoch versus Aldis will be the headliner, will be the main event. What do you think about that with Murdoch kind of, you know, being that, that veteran but never really got his shot before? And he kind of fits in that old school NWA model. Well, I don't, I mean, I get the old school thing, but to me, talent is talent. Um, Trevor's always had talent, uh, always had the size to be a champion. And uh, he can certainly work his butt off. You know, I mean, he, he busts his butt in the ring, like, you know, just about as good as anybody. And, you know, being trained by somebody like Harley, as was Nick, you know, he learned, he learned the game from the ground up. And so uh, I'm proud to work with him. And I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not being uh, contentious, but I mean, to me, old school is the school. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I grew yep. up in Harley race and, you know, macho man and you name it, all of them, Dick, the bruiser. I mean, they were big, big, burly, intimidating people. And I, to me, I just, that just never gets old. I get we're in a kind of a different revolution right now. And there's a lot of great people who are super talented. I was talking to Chris Jericho the other day and was talking about how, you know, there was that period um, before he came over from um, WCW, uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Dean Malenko, where those guys were really getting over with the fans, but they were kind of being held back because of the way that the traditional wrestling book. Would. I, I think that's, a, that's an important thing that happened. I mean, they, they kind of broke that glass ceiling and, you know, Chris Jericho is as great as anybody who's ever come down the line. Um, but still, if we're talking about, you know, like uh, the physics of the world, you know, a seven foot tall man should be able to smash the pieces out of a six foot tall man. That doesn't mean always, but that means most of the time. So I, I believe in that orientation in our world. And so Trevor fits right in with that. And um, he's a big intimidating dude. To me, old school is a compliment, though, because I, I love the old school guys. That's that's like my bread and butter as being a fan is you know, mid 80s and then and forward. But just I, I love the old school guys. He, to me, is a throwback to a Harley race. I mean, that's kind of obviously trained under him, but that's who he kind of reminds me of. Just that that old school style. Like you said, the big burly guy, he's he's a little snug, maybe a little stiff. I, I just love that style. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's look, you know. We have to put these talented people on television, and uh, you know, I, I I have to believe in my in, in my bones um, that what we're asking people to pay attention to is within line with the um, you know the laws of gravity and hmm. and uh, and historic uh, historical uh, precedent. And so I you know, you know, we we started just before we came on air. We were talking about a mutual friend of ours, just incredible. Yep. You know, I've known him for over 20 years. You've known him almost 20 years. You know, he was considered undersized, you know, but he's still a big dude. <laughs> so what does right. that tell you? You know, he's just as big as, say, Shawn Michaels, right? Um, 
the very similar body sizes, types, and stuff like that, and and both great workers, right? Um, but you look at the stories that were told around them; it was them them being undersized against bigger men, you know, a Terry Funk or you know an Undertaker. That was part of the dynamic that I think was attractive was when they were able to fight out from underneath that. That's part of what created the interest in them as, as characters. I, I just I just have a hard time believing, um, you know, it's it's like how they book, uh, you know, space movies these days. You know, it's like, you know, anybody, anybody can beat anybody if somebody wants to believe it. And I just don't believe in that person. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And it's funny, like PJ nowadays would be a big guy in, in, in most of the wrestling world. And Bret Hart and Michaels would be big. You know, according to uh, most of the world, because the wrestlers have gotten smaller and smaller. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I love those big guys. Nick Aldis, for instance, big guy, huge guy, six four. You know, probably two sixty five, two seventy. I mean, he's a big boy as well. Yeah, and I, you know, look, I, I, one thing I always like to point out to is one of the greatest matches I ever saw was was Rey Mysterio against the Undertaker, and the whole match and the whole dynamics of the match was predicated on the fact that. Ray had a chop down, you know, this unstoppable force. But it had to do with Ray's speed and agility and his innovative offense. It wasn't just because he did something well. You know what I mean? Yep. The story in that narrative is what I, I like to key upon. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you see it now where promotions have champions that are, you know, five nine. I mean, that is their world champion. I'm sorry. I just I think it's a very difficult thing to ask the public on some level beyond what I call the wrestling bubble. You know, there's no doubt that some of the people working right now are some of the most talented people to ever work in the ring. We're just talking, you and I are talking about the dynamics of like, let's call it the laws of gravity within the bubble that we're in. And I think one thing that's difficult is trying to convince people outside the wrestling bubble, people like you and I that really follow the business, why it's valuable and why it's important. And when they tune in and they don't see that kind of law of gravity, I think it makes it very hard for a mainstream or a general fan or even a lapsed old school fan to really engage with the product on a deeper level because they're being asked to suspend a disbelief beyond this particular point. Right. As far as like some guys being smaller and bigger, are you maybe more apt to bring on the, you know, the larger than life guys, the guys that we're kind of used to the, the Hogan's of the world. You know what I mean? Like Nick Aldis would be this, this day and age, cause he's bigger than 90% of the guys maybe in other companies. Is that like the guy you want to bring in those bigger guys, Chris Adonis, you know, the, like the big guys, larger than life characters. Look at, look who's working with the NWA right now. Chris Adonis, Tom Latimer, Trevor Murdoch, Nick Aldis, Mike Perro, Crimson, Jack Stain, Tim Storm, Fred Rosser, Tyrus, these are all big guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, these are all big guys, and I'm sorry, it, that that just comes to the screen like gangbusters to me. And um, that's that's what the NWA is. Is is you know, like I always like to say, you know, when I was a kid, when I went to the circus, I went to see the elephants. You know what I mean? And and when you take the elephants out of the circus, well, then the circus died, right? And I think it's the same thing with wrestling. We 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 are the we are the circus with the elephants. And 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 then and then conversely, because I think it's important, um, you know, uh, one of our top uh, female talents is Camille. You know, is about five ten, five eleven, just absolutely jacked. Mm -hmm. But yep. then when you see her, you know, say in the ring against the Thunder Rosa, you know, who is really an elite professional wrestler, that's the dynamic. So even though Thunder Rosa say five four, she has great power, 
great striking, great agility, and that's the story. So if we don't have size, we want top line agility. And that's not to say people with size don't have agility. Obviously, a Nick Aldis is the full package. But um, that's the stories that we want to tell. So, yeah, we start, we book from, from and, and listen, you said you're an old school WWF fan. That's the way they book. They book from Hogan and Andre on down. Their whole world oriented around their top guys. So if you want to use my, you know, elephants at the circus analogy, well, you you didn't have to guess who the elephants in the circus were in that particular right. circus. They, there they were. There they were. Now, they did lots of other things to keep you engaged. Bobby Heenan and, you know, Jesse Ventura on com, uh, commentary. I mean, there were other elements that that made it click. But at the end of the day, if you're five years old or you're 65 and you're watching that product, say, let's say traditional wrestling, 85 and before, maybe heck, even early 90s and before, you did not have to guess who was who was the who was the biggest elephant in the room. And I and I think that I think I really I'm not to emphasize, overemphasize the point. That is really, really valuable to me. Sorry, when, there's a crying baby in the background. If you oh, know. yeah. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I got it. I'm 54, but I got a two year old. So. Wow, I didn't realize you were that old. Damn, I would have yeah. said younger. I would have thought younger. That old. Yeah, no, trust me. I mean, it's crazy. We're just about to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the releasing of the first Smashing Pumpkins album, which is just totally wild. It's literally 30 years ago, probably tomorrow or something like that. Man, time flies. Oof, I remember being, God, it was 10, I guess, or almost 10 <laughs> when it came out. So, man, wow, time flies. Yeah, where, really that was only one when it came out. I missed it. But, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> Just it, I mean, it's just crazy the way like the wrestling business has changed in the last 30 years, too. Because you know, Hogan is on top of the world, the ultimate warrior, Andre the Giant. And nowadays, you're right, it's a lot of the, the smaller guys. So, I like how the NWO is kind of keeping it with you know the bigger guys. And Nick Aldis just sticks out to me because what is it, 840 days right now or something with the NWA world title? I mean, it's quite a reign, yeah. I mean, even some, some people like to criticize that, um. You know, we didn't do much during the pandemic, but he did work during during the pandemic. Um, so it wasn't like he just sat there for a year and didn't work. He, he went out and did matches. Um, you know, obviously, he didn't have the same ability to publicize the matches because our television side was down. But uh, no, Nick's been incredible. I mean, he's just can't say enough good things about him. You know, re a real leader, you know, uh, in the locker room, in the ring, behind the scenes, just a total stand up dude. And it's so funny because, you know, uh, I knew Nick a little bit, um, but when I came into work at TNA for a while, you know, Nick was kind of, uh, Mickey was there and Nick were both there at the same time. And, uh, you know, of course I was in the office and I'd heard, and, and you know, the whole, the way the office there painted Nick as a problem, problematic, you know, complaining and difficult and they didn't want to book him. And, and, and I could never kind of put my finger on it. And the guy is just smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, he's not a difficult personality. He can be difficult, but that's because he believes in what he's saying. But um, no, he's just like anybody with talent and anybody with the ability. And Nick did pay his dues. You know, he got that weird rap about how he came into TNA. I mean, he did pay his dues. Him and Tom Latimer literally go back to, you know, th those crazy shows, the summer camp shows they would do when they were 16 and all that. And even um, Marty Skrull goes back to that with them. So that's a pretty wild thing. So, yeah, and Nick is the business. And, and I hope he comes across the way i mean that you know what i mean guys like nick are the business guys like terry funk are the business they are the business people come and go but there are people who are pillars in the business and 
he's definitely one of them. And he and he's and he's proven it now on an international level. It's not like some kind of secret. You know, the secret's out. Nick is a top guy. I interviewed him not that long ago, and I said he reminds me of not even an NWA champion, more of an AWA champion, Nick Bockwinkle. The way he dresses, the way he carries the belt, the way he talks, you know, the way just the way he moves. It's like that professional guy, but he's also an athlete and an ass kicker. But when he talks, it's not just like wrestling, I don't know, yelling promo. It's like he's very eloquent. He knows how to speak to you, but he'll also come at you with a little anger if you you know, if you piss him off. Kind of reminds me of Nick Bockwinkle in, in a certain aspect. That's a great analogy. And I I I you know, I remember seeing Nick Bockwinkle back in the day, you know, watching him on television. And I, it really, his, his, his persona and his confidence and his eloquence really translated, you know, in my mind, it was like, yeah, there were the guys that shouted, like bruiser was like straight at the camera. Right. Yep. Um, you know, I'm going to tear your head off type stuff. And then you had Harley race who talked really quiet like that. And he scared the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> you know, there was something about Mr. Race that was just. He had that menace in him, even as a baby face, right? So it's great because Nick has really found his gear. And what's interesting, and, and, and that's a great a comparison and analogy, is also when you think there's not a lot of guys behind that comparison. It's not like there's been 20 Nick Bockwinkles. You know what I mean? There's really only a few guys who have been able to pull that off, that combination of eloquence and, 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 and spite. <laughs> you know, because when Nick gets spiteful, I mean, and, and I deal with it personally sometimes. I mean, he is... He's got that barb in him, you know? Yeah. And Harley Race, it's funny. I was at, I guess it was his last signing that he did. It was, it was obviously, it was many years ago, about three years ago or two or three years ago. And I had Ronnie Garvin with me. You know, they're both very respectful to each other. So I was joking around, and Harley's in the wheelchair. I was joking around, and Harvey, Harley was joking, like, oh, because we're in Philly. Philly's a shithole, or like just joking around, playing like, ah, oh, joking. So I said to Ronnie Garvin, I said, could you, you think you could? take harley like you know and he goes he looks at him and he goes now maybe back then no and ronnie garvin's known as one of the toughest guys ever so and, and his hand i mean garvin's hands are like bear claws i mean he just knock you out. and so he's looking at him in the wheelchair he goes maybe now in the wheelchair but uh, not not uh not in my prime but just yeah, the respect right. for harley it's cool you bring up ronnie garvin i mean i mean that's like stop there a second how how tall is ronnie ronnie garvin five nine probably he's that tall Right. But look at the way Ronnie Garvin carried himself. Right. I mean, yep. he was a tough SOB, right? You know, he had, he exuded that. And, and whether he was working or not, it doesn't matter to me. It's all the same to me. So that's what I'm saying is like, if you put a, if you put a Ronnie Garvin in at five, nine against a six, one, six, two Ric Flair, you know what I mean? Like what, what, what do you have to believe in order to believe that Ronnie Garvin has a chance? Right. So, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I'm after. Yep. Like it's one thing to be an incredibly gifted athlete. It's another thing to have a kind of an inner narrative that the fan can easily connect with to understand who you are in that, in that world. You know, uh, uh, think of somebody like Adrian Adonis, you know, super gifted. Yeah. I'm just saying is like, that's what I'm saying is, you know, Adrian Donis, not the biggest dude in terms of height, but was very gifted in the ring. So the narrative was, I can beat you by being more cunning, you know, better, innovative offense. That's kind of what I'm saying is there's so many people out there who are super talented, but they're all telling a very similar story. 
which is my athleticism is enough to carry me through. But when you have 20 people telling that story and it, and it goes across, you know, we even have people in our company that, that work that kind of style and that's fine. But I think if you want to really stand out and as somebody who books people and as somebody who promotes people, you know, if you get, if you give me 20 of the same people, well, of course I'm going to pick the most talented guy out of the bunch. But if you're the second or third or fourth in the line, I think you got to look at people like Ronnie Garvin and Adrian Adonis and, Jerry Blackwell, I'm obviously using names, I'm dating myself in my generation, but you got to look historically, guys. Um, heck, look, look, look what Eddie Guerrero did to get himself over. I mean, that was a long, long, long road that he took to get to the top. Always had the ability. You know what I mean? But, but it ultimately was his charisma and his character that connected personally with the fans. And, and I think that's what I'm trying to say if anybody's out there who's has a dream in wrestling it's like what is that inner narrative that the fan can easily follow just go watch ronnie garvin work i mean you believed it that's what i'm saying whether he believed it or didn't i i don't care about that he he really he really i believed and i guess what that's what i'm saying is like what are we really selling you know it's like going to a movie and halfway through the movie the guy turns to the camera and goes that punch didn't really hurt you know what I mean? It's like, that's not why I go to the movies. You know yep. what I mean? Maybe like the stuntman going through the wall or something, and you you, you see him get up. Or, you know, yeah. Kind of well, kills it. I mean, I remember this. Uh, I can't remember the name of the wrestler, but there was a spot where, you know, when Jim Cornette went off on the wrestler where the guy took some kind of crazy bump, and he just got up and walked away. I mean, talk about burying the whole locker room. You know, put yourself through all that and have people at the edge of their seats and then be like, I'm good. To me, you got to you got to believe it top to bottom. You know, you just you, ha- you just have to you just have to. And, um, you know, I'm in the unique position of, you know, making the decisions, deciding what airs on television. And even when I'm there and watching live, you know, during a taping or whatever, or even during pay-per-view and I have to make decisions about what stays and goes. It's like, I still have to sit in front of a screen at some point and make a decision about whether or not I want to share that. So if you can't make me believe, I definitely know it's not going to work for somebody down the line. And I think that's that's one of the things that uh, Nick and Aldis and I together have built, is that the vision of the NWA going forward is a tougher, grittier, bigger, meaner, faster uh, promotion. And I think that's why we're starting to see real momentum around the promotion now, because there's something there. It's like I go back to Ronnie Garvin one more time. It's like we're going to be like Ronnie Garvin. We may not have a billion dollars. We may not have the the pyro, but we are going to be one tough SOB walking down the aisle. And that's just that's what that's the that's the that's the bones we're going to roll on this thing. And, and what's great is it's in the history of the brand. You know what I mean? It's yeah. The, it's the fucking NWA. I mean, it yeah. is the NWA. And by the way, you know, uh, Shane Douglas, who I liked, I mean, sorry, Shane Douglas, who I like, I was thinking of something from the past, that's why I use past tense, Shane Douglas, who I like, you know, famously through the title, you know, I don't remember what it was called back then, ECCW or whatever, you know, but when Shane threw that title, I mean, you know, I get it. I was in a band that did the same thing with hair metal. You know what I mean? We did that too. Yep. So I get it. I never really had a problem with it like that. But the fact of the matter is, is we've taken that trash that we've taken that title out of the trash can. 
and sh shined it back up and we're fucking back, man. It's just cool. It's a cool thing. Have you noticed with like gone from YouTube on fight TV? Is that the momentum? Is that kind of been good for you? Is that positive yes. momentum? Yeah. Look, it's, it, it, I did this. It's just, Talk about music for half a second. I did this thing for a while where I was giving away music for free. I thought, oh, this would be great. You know, a million people listen to it because it's free. Less people listen to it. Okay. When we were doing pretty good numbers on YouTube, putting power up for free. Yeah, it was great. I mean, people were talking. There was a buzz. But then it just kind of like kind of stopped. Because as Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, used to say, how much does it cost if it's free? Right. It's like, what is the real value of something if, if you're giving it away? There's something about us moving to fight, being behind a paywall, asking people to be responsible to us and we'll be responsible to them. The legitimacy of being on a, on a platform, which, by the way, was just bought by Triller. And if anybody knows what Triller is, that's the that's the people uh, social media company behind the big Jake Fall, Paul, you know, these crazy fights they're doing. But I mean, they're doing crazy business. The Mike Tyson one did 73 million dollars. I think something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. You're talking about serious, serious business. So they just bought fight. So we're, we're, you know, we're in business with some really serious people. And the future of television, as everybody knows, is, is on online. I mean, you and I are doing TV right now. We don't need anybody's permission. We're doing TV, right? So I think, I think the legitimacy, the history, the, where we're going with the company, the roster. I mean, pound for pound, you look at who we're putting on television in terms of quality of talent. You know, because obviously, look, right now it's WWE and AEW, you know, they're they're uh, they're running the thing, you know, big, big companies, big, big TV deals. Well, beyond that, well, it's a big, big crowded marketplace and you have to kind of cut your way through. And we're fine with that. And uh, and we will we will emerge out of this. Let's call it this other tier. We will emerge as the victor of this tier. And then and then we will position ourselves to make a serious run at the top. It won't take two months, but it will happen. And, and when it happens, I think you're going to see a lot of people come out of the woodwork, not just old school fans. I think you're going to see a lot of young people come out because they're going to recognize like th that level of toughness, I think does translate. And look, the, the traditional demo of wrestling, you know, the, the, the big harp on wrestling was, yeah, you know, big, big numbers on, on, the, on the, the preferred male demo, 15 to 30 or whatever the demo is now. You know, wrestling's always done pretty well, but there's also been surveys over the last five, seven years that wrestling's audience is getting older. So credit to Tony Khan for bringing young people back to the table. And obviously they're watching incredible athleticism in the ring. And I like to think there'll come a point where we'll give them another choice, which is they'll see incredible athleticism with incredible toughness. That's not to say that people in AEW aren't tough. Um, you know, the Thunder Rosa-Britt Baker match, that was tough. Jericho taking bumps off top of a cage and all that stuff. God bless. I'm just talking about sort of the tone of the company, right. the tone of the company. You mentioned Tony Khan, any sort of relationship there? Cause obviously Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa and to be a woman's world title is on AEW. Is there any sort of relationship there with you guys or not really? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I met Tony actually. Uh, he had come to one of my shows with a mutual friend, Chris Nowinski, uh, who, wrestling fans would know as Chris Harvard, but now is very much in the concussion research field. Yep. Uh, Chris is doing amazing work in that, in that field really for making sports, particularly for children safer. Um, and actually all 
professional athletes that involve contact, including wrestling. Um, and so we'd met back then, you know, just kind of socially. And then uh, when uh, Tony looked like he was lining up to to launch what is now AEW, um, we, you know, we had a we had a conversation then to sort of see where he was going, where I was going. And so we've stayed in touch. And then we built a business relationship on top of that. And he's just been a great business partner. I can't say enough good things about him uh, as, as how he's been in, in terms of the, the business side of the thing. Um, you know, uh, having the, uh, the NWA women's title on AEW television has been super valuable to us. Um, Tony kept the name of the, the brand up when we were shut down for a while due to the pandemic. Um, and then Tony allowing his talent to come wrestle on uh, NWA television was huge. And of course, uh, you know, Tony helped bring uh, Thunder Rosa to national, international prominence as she should. She's an incredibly talented uh, person. So that's been a cool relationship, I think, for everybody involved. I think a lot of people, myself included, think Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa also raised their women's division up because their women's division was like, eh, you know, it's like kind of like here and there. Once you get Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb, two of the best women's wrestlers out there, kind of raises their game to, you know, Britt Baker and whoever they're wrestling over there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard because I, I see it more from the inside. You know, uh, you can put 10 great wrestlers on a piece of paper and, and book them in your head. It's another thing to build a culture. And it's taken, I think, Tony a, a hot minute to kind of put together the way he wants to, to, to be run and how he wants it to be presented. And I think the great thing is, is Tony's demonstrated that when, uh, particularly as we're talking about these talented women, as they put themselves in a position with the audience where the audience is interested, he's responded in kind and given them the spotlight. You know, you can give somebody the spotlight, but it doesn't mean they're going to shine in the spotlight. Right. I mean, uh, let's go back for, for a minute on Serena Deeb. I remember when Serena first came in WWE and she was basically part of the punk faction. I can't remember what it was called. You know, she was just basically kind of working as a valet. You know, and then she was out for a long time because of health concussion issues, I believe, was the case. And so, you know, my indelible memory from that time was, you know, she was a talented, uh, you know, very good looking woman, very talented, very charismatic. But I can't I can't particularly remember the wrestling part of the equation. And I would have people tell me through the years, oh, she might be coming back, you know, you know, because I think she was in kind of a pseudo retirement for a while. If I'm wrong on that, please, please don't quote me on that. But the point is, is. So I had a kind of a general impression as a fan of, of somebody who was talented, but had ne ne never been given the ball and allowed to run with it. If she had the ability back then, I don't remember seeing it, is what I'm trying to say. It's no, 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 no mark on her because obviously it's WWE books the way they book. But man, since she's come back at that level, I mean, talk about impress. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. In, in, in my own mind, she's gone from somebody who was like, oh, yeah, she's pretty talented to like, holy cow. What a incredibly talented professional wrestler on every level. So proud to be in business with her. Every time she wrestles, she always surprises me. It's like, oh wow, she stole the show again. Like the crowd goes like every time. It's one of those things. It's like she's got that thing about her. She's just a really good worker. I know Rip Rogers, a legendary trainer, had had a hand in that and OVW and stuff. But she is really, really good. She impresses me every, almost every time she's out there. Yeah, and and here's the thing. You can't teach charisma. There are people who have, they can do everything in the world, you know, but charisma is like that weird X factor. And you look at a Thunder Rosa 
you look at a Britt Baker, you look at a Serena Deeb, you know, they just have that, that magical charisma. And then when you put that together with the, the physical ability, uh, the in-ring acumen, I mean, that's why they're, that's why they're stars. And so it's a real pleasure to work with people at that level, with that level of talent, because literally you just kind of sit back and just kind of let it happen, you know? So this, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the best parts of being in this business. When he wants Tony, meaning he wants to use her for like AEW dynamite or for the pay-per-view, does that go through you like immediately or does that like weeks in ahead? Cause she's going to be on that pay-per-view uh, double or nothing on Sunday before your pay-per-view on the, on the following Sunday. Is that something that, you know, he has to okay with you. It's already planned in advance. Like, how does that work? Oh uh, yeah, we work, we work everything out. Like I said, Tony's been an incredible partner. Um, I, I have, I've yet to be in an instance where, you know, I didn't feel uh, the NWA or myself was in any way, not totally respected. Our communication is great. We talk fairly often. He's obviously a really busy guy. <laughs> He's also, right. don't forget, he's an executive for an NFL football team. So I tried to be judicious in, in, in my access, not because I think he would be bothered by it, because I, I, I'm a super busy person, too. So um, and when we do talk, I think we always try to keep it to what's most valuable. So, yeah, it's 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 been great. I, I, I you know, I'm definitely a, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of Tony. You know, he's, he's been a breath of fresh air to the business, but also, I think, to work with. So really, really pleased with that relationship. And it's great to see their success because let me put it to you this way. And I'm saying this selfishly now, Tony's paving the way for us to make that argument that there's more room at the table for other people, you know, because let me tell you five years ago, when I would go into those meetings, this is when I was with TNA, I go into some of those meetings. And then when I took over the NWA, you'd sit in those meetings and they say it's WWE and nobody else. They didn't care who you were. They didn't care what letters you had. It was WWE and nobody. And you sit there and like, you know, uh, a quick quote, like, because I, I ran TNA for a hot minute. I think TNA's biggest year, they generated something like $39 million of revenue, gross revenue in one year. I think that was when Hulk and Bischoff and all of them were in, in the company. That's a pretty big company. You know what I mean? $39 million gross revenue in professional wrestling. I know WWE is this massive company, but you got to remember that's that's 30, 40, 50 years of building that thing up. Um, all that IP, all the all the history, all the you know, the, what's what's the brand worth, all that stuff. What's it worth to broadcast partners who know as long, if you're signing that check, they're going to show up week after week and deliver. You know what I mean? It's like it's faith in the in the in the brand. Right. That's a really, really hard thing to do with advertisers, with network executives. It takes a really long time. So imagine five years ago when I was in those meetings, it was like they didn't care what I was selling. Because if if it wasn't above 40 million and by the way, TNA couldn't get bought for that. Right. If they couldn't make it happen, what, what were you going to say if you're at this level of revenue or this level of even how, no matter how good your ideas are? Right? So now Tony is proving like, no, no, there's this whole other thing coming. And I think you also see it in them expanding their programming. They wouldn't be expanding their programming if there wasn't a desire for it and there weren't people standing there going give us more because more more is more in this in this marketplace um yeah so it's going to be very very interesting but again all credit because he's 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 helping chop through a forest that would be very hard for me to chop through on my own 
Gotcha. And they, you know, they had the forty. Uh, what is it? Forty-five million dollar TV deal. Plus, they suppose we just got ten million more to move over to TBS if those numbers are accurate. But I mean, that's a huge chunk of change for production costs and everything else. But that's great for a non WWE company to be able to do that and get that kind of money from TBS and TNT. Yeah, and and look, I don't think I don't even think we've seen anywhere near what the limit is. Like sure. not even, not even close. Look, WWE in the last what five years has gotten two billion dollar checks. I could be wrong, but generally speaking, that's my you know like one was from Fox and one was now from uh, uh, the Peacock uh, NBC, right? What's WWE's weekly audience? Two million, two four. Remember when they were drawing eight million? You know, yeah. right? Okay, so. If they're that valuable at that level of audience, right? Imagine if somebody comes up and starts doing, you know, three quarters of that number. You know, it, like if 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 Tony's able to pull up the AEW weekly rating to say one point five, is somebody writing a Tony a check for three hundred million? I mean, the business will explode. Will absolutely explode. You'll go back to something similar, and I don't mean in the war sense. I think I don't think you'll ever see that again. I know people like to play that angle up. I don't. I don't think people watch TV like that anymore. But that said, when you have one company with one generally large vision, how many people are going to get in the marketplace? Now you've got. Let's say you got two players at the table. You're going to. It'll be five times more people want to come into the marketplace. You'll see five more levels of talent available. You see more international talent wanting to travel to the United States to work. And don't forget, we're on a global scale now. I think UFC has proven that model. The Brazilian fighter against the French fighter against the Canadian, you know, whatever. You really need an international model. You need you need people from different backgrounds, different orientations, different walks of life, you know, different everything. Because people need to see the world on their television if you're selling a truly international product. I don't think anybody's figured that formula out better than, than the UFC. So imagine the level of explosion you will see in professional wrestling. And don't forget, we're starting to see the very beginning, the crest of the wave of what is a long overdue uh, revolution in wrestling as, as, as it pertains to women. That women can now regularly main event. Nobody even blinks an eye. So imagine when that market comes online and maybe for the first time ever, uh, you know, wrestling on television can start drawing you know, an audience just as strong on the female side as it's drawn on the male side traditionally. I mean, imagine if that market, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. So I think it's a really exciting time in that way. And again, a lot of people that are in the world, you know, the dirt sheet, that whole world, we're in that world, right? There's a sort of, there's a logic that goes with what I would call again, in the bubble. But if you look at the wider world, most of the world is not truly engaged in professional wrestling. Um, it probably hasn't been that engaged since the, you know, the peak of um, the Rock, Stone Cold and Hogan kind of, big, you know, whatever those 10 years. Right. Don't quote me on that. because That's a general number. Mm -hmm. And it, again, WWE is massive, but there are still a huge part of the world that's just not checked in because it's, they're not part of that that ecosystem. If the world opens up and a, and, a, and a larger audience starts watching professional wrestling like they watch the NBA or, 
you know, you, you're, you're able to engender a, a wider thing. You might see things you could never imagine happening. You might see a situation where at some point WWE turns to AEW and goes, you know, it's in our best interest to work together. Not 52 weeks out of the year, but four weeks out of the year might be in our best interest because now we can do truly global events. Yes, WrestleMania is a global event, but you you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You, start yep. looking, you start looking at the kind of money that a that a that a top level prize fight or a top level UFC, you know, you can get into that sphere. And then sky's the limit for everybody, including the NWA. Would you like the NWA to work with AEW like more frequently or have Nick Aldis on there defending the title like he did with Cody, you know, like a few years back, all in? Obviously, that was like kind of the precursor to the AEW, excuse me. Do you want to do that? Like have like a team up like that? Because it seems like Tony is kind of open to it. It seems like. Yeah, I'm I'm open to all that stuff. I think it's... um... I think it's sort of like, where, where do you want it to go? Do you know what I mean? Because right now the NWA is in a position where we're just building building back up. So, you know, like I said, I totally appreciate those opportunities, but I, we're not really geared in that in that way. You know what I mean? Um, if you saw some of the comments that Chris Jericho had about um, AEW working with Impact, who, you know, I'm publicly no fan of because of my, my dealings with them, including right. them stealing... A, ta- a former talent from us. Um, not to mention, you know, what went on with Dixie Carter and that whole that whole kermuffle. Um, you know, Jericho completely buried the 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 situation with Impact. You know, because he he basically was talking about the disparity in in power and and star attraction. Now, there's plenty of talented people at impact not to denigrate them. And I've worked with some of them, um, you know, particularly like the people in decay, super talented people, Rosemary, crazy Steve. Um, so yeah, so no mark on the talent, but, but look, if you, if you, you know, you're not an equal in the situation. So you're put in a situation where you're trying to convince another fan base to believe in some form of equity. It's always a bit wonky, you know, Yep. So I think under the right circumstances, like the Serena dynamic being the holder of the title, Thunder Rosa as an NWA talent working for AEW with great regularity, that's a nice balance. It's balanced out by a, a couple of forces. But, um, you know, if, if Tony calls and wants to do uh, Cody, Nick Aldis 3, yeah, I'm all over it. Um some of the traditional ways that people work together, invasion angles and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't think that's a good fit for either one of us. Tony's got more talent than he knows what to do with. You know, he, he, does, he doesn't need our talent to. Seems like with Omega being the Impact Champion and the AEW Champion, those Jericho remarks were almost like, ooh, like his, he basically is like, I'm never going to the Impact. But Omega is technically the Impact Champion. So what does that say about Omega, who's the AEW Champion? So sometimes I'm like, uh, you know, you could say something, and I know I know what he means, and he makes sense. But it's like, oh, but Omega is also the Impact Champion right now, so it's like, yeah. I mean, who knows? For all we know, Jericho's working. You know, Jericho's one of the great workers of all time. He might just true. be up to set something up that we don't even see. So I, I start there. I start with Chris's wisdom, but but on the surface of it, on the surface of it, yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. And and don't forget, you know, Kenny's hold. I don't know Kenny, so Mister Omega. Uh, He's holding their title. So so what would Impact's response be? Hey, give our title back? Like, it's kind of an awkward 
an awkward thing. And look, resting is at its best when you truly are emotionally and physically attached to what's going to happen, right? Like you're, 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 you know, you're sitting at ringside, even if you're home. Right. And, and, and I think that's at the foundational root of what Chris is talking about. I mean, AEW is a hot company and only getting hotter. But uh, we were saying kind of about relationship with the impact and AEW than, than you guys. It's to me, WB is kind of separate as far as the booking and the writing. What do you consider like NWA as far as like the, behind the scenes more of a booker or or more of like writing you know what i mean like wb is different i know tony considers himself head of creative but he's kind of more of a booker what do you kind of consider the nwa and yourself and your kind of strategy or is writing the show um i don't I'm, I'm not sure i totally understand the questions can you just reframe it a bit so sports entertainment has writers pro wrestling has bookers do you consider yourself the, a booker uh, to me, it's all the same, <laughs> you know, because because here's the thing. I can come up with the craziest, coolest idea. But do the fans want to see it? Are they going to stick with it? Are the talents going to mesh in the ring? And is the result going to be beneficial to everybody in the company, including both talents or or talents or whoever in the ring? I think so. If I had to choose, I'd say a booker first and, and a writer second. But I mean, I make my living as a writer in music. So to me, that it's 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 irrelevant. You know, um, I don't mean that to dismiss the question. I'm just saying it's just like, you know, um, look, I, I, I was on the writing staff of TNA for two and a half to three years. And I had to negotiate the politics and things I couldn't control. And so when I left that situation, you know, I, I, I had every intention uh, once I decided to stay in, in the game of professional wrestling, that I wanted total control of, of what I was involved with. Because the stuff where I did have control, all of it got over, every piece of it. So that's all I knew was, you know, I'm going to put myself in a situation and I'm going to get people over. And it, and I take great pride in seeing people that were maybe not considered hot on the market, that when they came in through the NWA Power uh, studio, you know, a Ricky Starks uh, and Eddie Kingston, you know, that they, they left elevated and they were desirous in the marketplace. And now they're, they're top guys in, in, in their situation at AEW. So I'm happy for them. I think it's really cool that we were able to kind of like reframe them. Nothing is, I mean, the talents there, it's nothing to do with, you know, we didn't do anything magical, but sometimes it is that right booking to put somebody in a position where you go, wait a second, there's something there. And so it's great that we were able to heat those guys back up because they, they deserve it. I feel like you guys definitely give them the right platform as far as like, hey, here's the the, the studio, the G, uh, G, um, GPB, yeah, GPB Studios. And here's the podium. Here's the mic. Like a lot of promotions, let's say sports entertainment world, it's more of like, here's the script. Here's the promo. You guys are like, here, here's maybe a bullet point of what you want them to accomplish. But you guys sink or swim. Here's the podium. Here's the mic. Yeah. Go. Yeah. What we tell our talent is there's no such thing as failure. As long as you're out there taking a chance, we'll back you up. You know, a lot of times I'll see talent walk back through the curtain and they'll be disappointed that something didn't land the way they wanted it to. And I'll just be like, no, man, you, 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 you did the right thing. 
I believed it. I'll take I'll take that over. And then I went to the store and made a left. But you said, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I grew up in an era where guys just they they put a camera on them. They let it fucking rip. Go on YouTube and it's watch Jake the Snake promos or Animal and Hawk promos or, you know, watch Jim Cornette back in the day. I mean, you think somebody was writing that stuff out? <laughs> I mean, come right. on. They were they were out of their minds from no sleep and God knows what they were taking or whatever. God bless. I mean, it just look at look at look at Warrior. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you tell me somebody wrote that stuff. Maybe I mean, maybe he wrote it down. But I mean, the point is, is like you couldn't write that stuff. As Sergeant Slaughter once told me, he said, biggest pop he ever heard in his life was Warrior walking through the curtain at Madison Square Garden. He said it was like God walked through the curtain. You tell me some guy who's not one of the boys who doesn't know what it's like in there, who doesn't hear the fans in a 360 circle and really know what connects, who's in the gym killing themselves to you know, get bigger and stronger and spending that night riding down the road with, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow or whatever the hell those guys did. You know, live in, I mean, I, I'm saying it from the standpoint of I've done it for myself in my musical life. And people don't write my words. People don't tell me what to say. It doesn't mean somebody doesn't go, I think it would be better if you kind of, you know, nudged it this way or clarified this. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying is what comes out of my mouth is what comes out of my mouth. It's from me. And uh, trust me, I've had plenty of people through the years try to tell me what I should say, or what I shouldn't say, what I should do. And, you know, I'm a I'm a I was recently called <clears throat> by a host divisive. You know what I mean? Um, people love me or they don't love me. I mean, that's totally fine. But the point is, is the people who love me, I, I emotionally connect with them because I'm honest and, you know, I'm real in some kind of crazy way. So I'm very attractive in professional wrestling to people who are very authentic. When I see Ricky Starks cut a promo, that's the same Ricky Starks I would talk to sitting in the seats when the cameras were down. It's not like there's a different Ricky Starks. It's like that guy's super charismatic, very intelligent young man. Great. Go be Ricky Starks in front of the camera. Like, turn it up to 11. Let's go. It's not like I had to sit there and say, now, Ricky, you know, da, 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 da. Like, what's the point of that? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see my version of Ricky Starks or Eddie Kingston or Nick Aldis or Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch, at the conclusion of the last show, when he went over in the 15-man battle royale to win a shot to face Nick at the pay-per-view June 6th uh, on Fight TV. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he cut, a, he cut a promo from the heart talking about Harley and the title above Harley's door, and now he's in a position to be a world champion. I mean, are you going to tell me that's not real? All the miles, all the bumps, all the heartache, all the disappointment. I mean, I'm sorry. I'll take that. I'll take I'll take Trevor Murdoch trying to find the right words halfway between exhaustion and tears because they're the tears of a, of a of a man who's been through something, who's pounding on the desk talking about his mentor, one of the greatest legends in the history of professional wrestling and what he meant to him and how he wishes he was in the room to see where he's standing right now. Are you telling me that's not real? You tell me I could write that better than Trevor Murdoch, who's lived it? So, yeah, that's that's what I mean. We're going to ride that thing all the way down the line. That's the NWA to, to, the, to the bone. 
And if we bleed, we bleed. That's, 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 we're completely convinced. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah, it's kind of a good idea. Let's see how it goes. I mean, we are completely convinced. And that's it. And look, I used to go see ECW back in the days. You know, I'd watch RVD kind of cut his stoner promo. It was great. Was he the greatest talker of all time? I think he would tell you he wasn't. But did he land? Did he connect with you? Did you believe him? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. That's it. I, I, I just, I, 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 get, I get like a Pat Kenny, the, you know, formerly Simon Diamond. He's the talent director of the NWO says it's not rocket science, right? I mean, just make me care. Just make me care. And I feel like with those promos, like a guy like Ricky Starts or Eddie Kingston, even more so Tim Storm. I mean, you put him out there, he's real. He's giving you real promos. And I love that. The, the Arne, almost like Arn Anderson style, where it's like, this guy is like, I don't know like what's going on, but I believe everything this guy says. And he's not screaming and going crazy. I know Flair cuts awesome promos, but I always liked Arn's better because it was always like at the end, and he always was like, and we're going to get you. Like very serious, very straightforward, but kind of like Tim Storm reminds me like that, you know, yeah, again, old school cutting promos, not necessarily screaming, yelling when, when, you know, when he was going for the title and when he was shooting with Nick, but it just was, it was great. I just love that. Let's, as we kind of try to wrap this thing up, right. Yep. Let's, let's say, let's talk about the nature boy for a second, right? That man, arguably the greatest ever. He lived it. He yeah. was that guy. Do you see he just posted on social media his, his 1983 travel schedule for the NWA? It's all that nuts. Okay. He lived it. So when the Nature Boy was talking about taking you on a ride, I mean, he was, he was living it. And I'm sure you've heard some of the stories, and I've heard the stories too. I mean, he lived it. So. It's not like you meet Ric Flair behind the scenes and he's like, hi, I'm Ric Flair. You know what I mean? He's, he's the nature, man. He's living it. And I remember, it's, I remember going to a post-WrestleMania party, you know, where the WWE does the, the full-on catering and everyone's there and all the legends are there and everyone's having a laugh because it's kind of their one, one time to, to celebrate. And I remember seeing Mr. Bockwinkle, Nick Bockwinkle, about 10 feet away. I was too, too, I'm too shy of a person to just go up and shake somebody's hand. I wish I had now because he's passed away, but he, I mean, it wasn't like I saw a different Nick Bockwinkle. He was there. He was like, it's not like, Oh, it's some other guy. You know, he, he's Nick Bockwinkle. It was, you know what I'm saying? And I met Dusty a couple times, same thing. You know, now was he turned up to 11 Dusty? No, but he was Dusty at 7.8. I mean, I'm saying is maybe there's a correlation there. You know what I'm saying? Yes. We love to talk because, you know, if you and I are a little older, we love to talk about these legends. Well, why why can we recall those legends in a holographic way? Because they were able to come through that television screen and grab us. I can remember the first time I saw Dusty Rhodes on television like it was yesterday. Why? I mean, think of how much information I've lived in the last 40 something years, how many tours, how many interviews. And I could still tell you and I could still see Dusty. In, on that screen I, and i don't under I, I guess what i'm saying and I, I i may be backing myself in the corner i don't understand how that is not still the primary thing in our great sport of professional wrestling obviously i have my opinion not everybody agrees with it i respect that but to me it just doesn't get any better it doesn't get any better when 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 nature 
going a thousand miles an hour, in, you know, back at Georgia Chim Championship Wrestling, which is literally half a block away from where we take power. We're literally on the same soil. And then we got Austin Idol in the building who was there, you know, who literally invented the TV title. I mean, we, we have that direct lineage, that history. You know, we fly the Crockett colors in our ring. I mean, it, it just doesn't get any better when you see a man moving a thousand miles an hour. And when he tells you the best, he knows he's the best. He's not saying it because somebody told him to say it. He's, he's like, no, I am the best. And think how many people paid, drove through the snow, got a babysitter, stayed up late to watch Nate again and again and again and again and do it and do it and do it till probably long past the due date. Because it's magic. It's magic. That's what we do in music, right? We create something out of thin air. I pick up a guitar. There's no song. There's no sound. And I start. Well, that's what those guys do and those girls do. They create something out of thin air. And when they create memories, man, it's just, it doesn't get any better. So proud to be part of it. Proud to just ride that history. And uh, like I said, anybody, if you're not a fan of that NWA, give us a chance. But, if, you know, if you're a fan of somebody else, uh, what's coming is going to be so great for the fans. Because the business is going to open wide. I mean, I hope you can watch this interview in 10 years and go, man, he was right. This business is going to blow wide open. Not just because of what Tony's doing, but because Tony's proving there's still this wider thing out there happening. And uh, all, 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 God bless to the WWE. I mean, they took advantage of the market, WCW's weakness. Turner just wanted to get out of Dodge, the company. The company was losing $150 million a year, the whole thing. And so basically for you know, 18, 20 years, the WWE ran unopposed. And there's been a good to that and a bad to that. And the good part now is because now there's that sort of like, because you've had kind of one story. I think people are ready for other stories now. And uh, we're excited to be part of that, that bigger story. And so follow us now, follow us later. We'll be standing there when it's all, all said and done. And, it, and I think it's going to be, uh, I saw, I, I don't know if Tony got it from me or he read an interview, but I, about two years ago, three years ago, I started saying it's going to be the golden age of wrestling or the new golden age. And I saw where Tony said it a couple of times. Maybe he just thought of it at the same time. Totally possible. Um, but I really believe it. I believe we're in like a new golden age that's just going to be just as powerful and just as interesting. And again, don't rule out promotions working together at this other level. My, 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 my recent rap, and I think this is a good way to end it, is sooner or later, somebody's going to figure out that if they can get all the non-WWE companies to work together, they'll be able to create an event that will rival WrestleMania tomorrow. Now, if you're an AEW fan or a New Japan fan and New Japan's selling out the Tokyo Dome and, you know, AEW's doing, you know, sold out shows and big ratings and stuff like that, you'll say, what does that mean? You got to understand, WrestleMania breaks through to the, to the person who only watches one wrestling event a year. So what would it take for everybody non-WWE to do something that would get that person who watches one event a year to watch two? Imagine that. You see that coming down the line, you'll understand what I'm talking about. You get in that situation, the, the world of professional wrestling blows wide open. Wide open. Because all you got to do is prove you can stand there. And, and who'd have thought two years ago that an internet star like Jake Paul or a retired boxer like Mike Tyson could do that kind of money?
No crazy. Crazy. So you tell me that's not there for, for wrestling? Now, you look at the talent that WWE has under contract. They've been able to kind of control that narrative because they've had a lot of top talent. But now Tony is building up a whole new generation of top talent, whether it's Hangman Page or, or, or bringing a, you know, a great Kenny Omega to that other, other level, to that mainstream level where, you know, he'll be able to go on the NBA show with Shaq and people know who he is. He won't have to be introduced. They'll know who he is. Just like Hogan was, and just like Ric Flair was, and just like Dusty was, right? So once we start popping through to that other level, then it gets really crazy. It gets really crazy fast. And that's what I'm saying is, if you're if you're a wrestling fan, you live in this bubble that we live in, and you talk shop like we're talking shop. It's all good, but think about the guy across the street that gives you shit about watching wrestling, who might watch WrestleMania because his buddy watches it or his kid want to watch it. One wrestling event, you get to two wrestling events a year, and it's and that second event, let's say Triller puts it on or Tony's able to organize something, and I mean, you're talking about some crazy fucking shit coming down the line, stuff you can't even imagine, stuff you cannot even imagine. Because then you'll have people popping in that you can never imagine popping in. Because then you get into Hollywood, you get into big sports stars, you know, not just the guy who's a Mark wrestling fan who wants to show up and do something. You're talking about a much, much bigger world. And and then one company will no longer be able to control the kind of the inner narrative in the bubble because it'll be a bigger story outside that bubble. And I, that's that's what I truly believe. Love it. Love your passion for the business. I love that you're a big fan. And before we kind of uh, let you go, please, one last time, pay-per-view, June 6th, When Our Shadows Fall, 4 p.m., Fight TV. But give us all the plugs and, and where everybody can see it and everybody can find you and the NWA. Uh, well, we're on all the typical stuff, Twitter, Instagram. It's easy to find, National Wrestling Alliance. <clears throat> Run Fight. We're behind a paywall. So it's $5 a month to watch Power. And then pay-per-views, uh, four pay-per-views a year. And so just hang with us. We're really, really on to something. It's great because sometimes I read some of the reports on our shows. It's really great because people are really understand why we're different and how we're different. Now just keep turning up the volume in that and you'll see where we're going. And you'll see why we'll, we will truly be an alternative choice to what's out there right now. People get caught in the old school thing, but they don't understand. And this is where we started. The old school thing to me is the thing. And I, I respect what everybody else is doing. And I totally understand why they're doing it so there's no disrespect in what i'm saying but i truly believe that our version is 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 gonna is gonna last and be the version love it and of course congratulations 30 years smashing pumpkin so congrats once again Corgan. awesome stuff amazing i made that album when i was three <laughs> all right my friend take care yep. thank you so much appreciate all the time we'll catch up yep. some other time thank you yes bye. thank you bye-bye this has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.